Welcome to the Christ Connection Podcast. We are here to help and encourage you to enjoy your adventure with Jesus. I'm your host, Kevin Senapati-Ratna. Let the journey begin. Hello and welcome to the Christ Connection Podcast. My name is Kevin Senapati-Ratna. I'm glad you could join us today for this conversation with uh, Secretary Donna Barrett, and I'll get to that in just a moment. But before I do, I just want to, again, just thank you for taking the time today. Wherever you're listening to this in the world, we're grateful for you. We exist to help you in your walk with Jesus, to enjoy his company, to find uh, an adventure with him and go wherever he would take you. And uh, this is just kind of like we walk alongside you on that journey. That's our mission. That's our goal. And so thanks for taking the time to invest in yourself and your own walk with Jesus. Uh, as I mentioned, my guest today is uh, Secretary Donna Barrett, uh, who is the General Secretary of the Assemblies of God in the United States. Now, if you're not familiar with that, uh, the General Secretary uh is a member of the executive uh, leadership team of the denomination, the executive presbytery. Uh, Barrett stewards the credentialing process of the ministers, oversees the charter of churches, the collection of official stats, and the Flower Pentecostal Heritage Center. Now, she'll get into what that all means, uh, and just, so stick with on that one. But uh, prior to her election as general secretary, she has a wide range of experience. Uh, she was a church planter and founded... A, a church in uh, Independence, Ohio, Rockside Church. She served as a paralegal. She served as a youth pastor for 10 years, associate pastor for seven years, uh, executive prespers in her state, and th- things like that. And so uh, she has a lot of experience to bring to the table and some great stories. Uh, I think you're really going to like this. We talk about her book that came out, Leveling the Praying Field, not Leveling the Praying Field, Leveling the Praying Field. And I, I love this book. A great resource, actually. I think I probably in the conversation a little bit too much uh, uh, push the book, but <laughs> I don't think that's really possible for an author, but uh, I recommend it, and I think you're going to enjoy this conversation as we dive into the topic uh, that is very important. So without further ado, my conversation with Secretary Donna Barrett. All right, uh, Secretary Barrett, and welcome to the show. Hey, it's good to be with you, Kevin. Thanks. Uh, it's uh, uh, always an honor to speak to someone in a uh, position who signs my license so <laughs> to, to ministry <laughs> uh, I, I'm going to start off in a kind of a, a right field kind of a, a place here in your in your acceptance speech as secretary uh, uh, becoming secretary of the assembly of God you mentioned an important fact about yourself that you're left-handed right <laughs> and so just to, as a good place to start i wanted to thank you on behalf of all of us left-handers in the world <laughs> hey that, that was that was a great speech <laughs> oh thanks yeah i've been left-handed all my life and uh, played the guitar right-handed my dad my dad taught me to play the guitar when i was uh, six years old and he said if i'm going to teach you you're going to have to turn that guitar around the other way because i don't know how to teach left-handed so uh, i swing a golf club right-handed and play guitar right-handed and do everything else left-handed so kind of kind of a mixed bag do you still play the guitar i do is that is that like hobby type uh, something to relax with yeah, or 
mostly for my own private worship. I have uh, played in public and, uh, you know, when we planted a church, when you plant a church, uh, you're desperate for musicians. So I uh, dusted it off and led worship for a season. Then I was kind of the fourth string at our church. If, uh, if, we, if, we, if they needed me, they'd let me play. <laughs> <laughs> that's, uh, that's amazing. All right. Now, for someone who is not familiar with the Assemblies of God, how would you describe your current role? What, you know, say you're uh, just out on the street and someone asks you what you, just so people have a context. I, I get in the intro, I'm sure I've given the, you know, the official description, but what, how would you describe it to people? Yeah, that's a great question, Kevin. So in the Assemblies of God, we have um, executive officers that uh, that group is comprised of our general superintendent, our assistant superintendent, our general secretary, and our general treasurer. Um, so those are the, the uh, top four leaders in our organization. We're officers of the corporation. My specific role as general secretary is to basically steward the credentials of ministers. We have 38,000 credentialed ministers across the United States and around the world. And then also uh, steward the opening and closing of churches. And um, then we also have statistics that we uh, obtain and share back out with our fellowship that comes under my purview. So the simple version is we sign things and count things in this office. <laughs> uh, the way I describe it to my team so that we understand our ministry value in the Assemblies of God is I liken the general secretary's office to that of a skeleton of a physical body. Uh, it's unseen, it's important, it's not that pretty by itself but it's necessary for the rest of the body to have something to attach itself to. And without the skeleton, we're just a big old jellyfish. <laughs> uh, that's that's kind of how I describe what our office does. That's a great description. Because <laughs> probably the average person doesn't, I mean, the average person in this Assemblies of God pew probably doesn't, is ever going to interact with your office Right. It's important for us to be here, but uh, they don't have to interact with us unless they're obtaining credentials or upgrading or renewing their credentials, uh, opening or closing a church. You know, we help churches with a 501c3 with their tax exempt status. So yeah, the, the best way to appreciate the general secretary's office is if you've ever been a part of a non-denominational organization, uh, you have to go hire an attorney and incorporate and get tax exempt, do all that stuff yourself. If you're a part of the wonderful fellowship called the Assemblies of God, you just come in under the umbrella and uh, we do the, those items for you so that you can get on about the business of winning people to Christ and making disciples without getting stuck in the administrative piece of it. Now, before this role, you were a pastor uh, and a pastor for many years. Uh, just curious, what's it like to transition from that past, you know, local pastor to now this office. How, how was that for, for you? Yeah, everything I do is completely different than what I did as a pastor. So I was, I was a youth pastor for 10 years, an associate for seven years, and then a church planter and a senior pastor for the last 15 and a half years um, at an average size church. And so uh, everything I'm doing now is totally different. Uh, some of the skill sets are the same. I still can be pastoral, uh, but my audience is different. We serve our 67 district councils and our, our districts and their um, superintendent and their secretary. So 
you know, many times I'm praying with someone and coming alongside them in a difficult situation, but it's a an individual who's a district official as opposed to congregants in a church. Well, and you, you mentioned, uh, or you mentioned in different places about being a paralegal at one point and how that has, has helped you you know, in this role. Uh, when you were in that role, did you ever see that it would connect to ministry and, or, you know, I mean, did you have a hunch that God was up to something or was this kind of a, a happy surprise? When I... <laughs> yeah, I, I had no idea what God was up to. What, what I've learned uh, from the helicopter view is that God doesn't waste anything and he always has his eye on us and he's intentional about every season of life. So I worked in a, I worked first in a county courthouse and then in a law office. I was a paralegal before I became a pastor. And in that law office, my um, my boss, the attorney, was a born-again Christian, and he was very intentional to help the body of Christ in our community. So we were incorporating churches that were non-denominational. We were interacting with the Internal Revenue with 501c3s. We were uh, helping churches that were getting sued. We were drafting contracts. We were We were busy doing what my office now does on a larger scale. And you know, Kevin, at the time, I thought, God had called me, but I thought maybe he forgot that he <laughs> called me because I thought this isn't really ministry, but it was ministry and uh, every, everything can contribute to the kingdom of God. So when I stepped into this role, uh, so much of what I did in that early season is what I'm doing now. And it kind of gave me an appetite for reading constitution and bylaws and uh, interacting with attorneys. Last week we had three days of depositions for a lawsuit that we're involved in. And uh, it was a deja vu of the earlier season of my life before I became a youth pastor. <laughs> Paralegal to youth pastor. That's pro that was probably a, as big of a change from that to, to what you're doing now. <laughs> That's true. You can't get much, much more of a, uh, of a difference. Right. And uh, so shifting to, we want to it's spend the majority of our time on your latest book, Leveling the Praying Field, uh, Helping Every Person uh, Talk to God and Hear from God. Uh, what kind of inspired you to write a book on prayer? <laughs> yeah, it, it's, um, it's a book that took a lifetime to live and a year to write. <laughs> so, you know, all throughout my journey with Christ, I was watching how prayer worked or didn't, how people engaged or felt alienated, uh, you know, whether whether you're trying to help teenagers engage with God in prayer or you're in the business world or um, senior pastoring, I've been watching for a lifetime of um, just how much God wants to talk to every believer and hear from every believer, yet how awkward it can be for people to find the on-ramp that's right for them. Uh, so when I um, get, was given the opportunity, do you have a book in your heart was the question. I said, yeah, absolutely. And I have a title, <laughs> Leveling the Praying Field. I've done, I had done seminars on that title and sermon series on that title. Um, so it was kind of percolating in my heart. Uh, the essence of the book, Kevin, is that uh, God wants to hear from every believer and he wants to talk to every believer. But oftentimes there are barriers there that keep people from feeling like they can do that. And so I wanted to remove those barriers and just create gradual on-ramps so that every person, whether they're eight or 98, whether they have a fifth grade education or a PhD, every person would know that God wants to hear from them and talk to them and help them to find that on-ramp. Right. Right. 
by the way, I, I love the book. I, I, I've, I've read my, my share of prayer books, doing prayer ministry for 14 years like I have. You've read your share, and I, I, I loved the practical nature of it, plus the uh, interspersing between pastors and uh, laity. So uh, first, uh, thanks for writing it. Uh, that's a great resource. Uh, since you mentioned the, the on-ramps, uh, can you talk a, uh, a little bit more about what that means for an on-ramp for prayer? What does that look like? Or... Yeah, well, um, being that you have read a lot of books on prayer, um, you know, the, the question I was asking myself is, you know, why another book on prayer? What's going to be different about this book and, uh, and what's unique about it? And, um, you know, I, I think it's, um, it's, it's super practical, first of all. Um, it just really will help a person realize, oh, I could do that, or yeah, that's exactly the challenge I face when I'm um, he hesitating about prayer. So we wanted it to be super practical. Um, secondly, I was encouraged to write it because so many books about prayer are written by male authors, and there are not a lot uh, from female authors, and so we felt like that that would that would be um, kind of a, a a unique situation. And then also there's a a couple paragraphs that are unique to our Pentecostal distinctive, and uh, many books about prayer don't cover things like glossolalia, speaking in other tongues. Uh, they don't cover the gifts of the Spirit being for today, but they might might be a little more dispensational. So those are the qualities that are kind of unique about this book versus other books on prayer. Um, I think I answered a different question than you asked. Do you want to ask a question? <laughs> well, I was just wondering uh, if you could describe the, the idea of on-ramps uh, a little bit more. Yeah. Yeah, so we're looking at what are the barriers that people face when they're thinking about prayer that cause them to back away from prayer, and we hit those barriers head on. Uh, so we eliminate the barriers, and then we create the I can do this type of a, a situation. So eliminating the barriers, some of those are that prayer is for the professional. You know, we use terms such as prayer warrior or intercession, intercessor, and that causes others to think, well, if I'm not that, Maybe I should leave this to the professional. Uh, and, you know, the, the book cover is that of a baseball field. <clears throat> and many times in prayer, um, we think, you know, there are professionals on the field that are playing baseball, and I should just stay up here in the stands and observe and clap for them. But I certainly am not qualified to step onto the field and participate in baseball. Similarly, in prayer, we do that same thing. We think, you know, I'm going to turn in a prayer request to my pastor or I'm going to watch that prayer warrior grab the mic and pray eloquently, but I'm not going to dare step onto the playing field and participate in prayer because I'm not that good at it. Um, and so we eliminate barriers, and then we create on-ramps for people so that they can feel successful. No one wants to be mediocre at anything. They want to do well at whatever they do. And so sometimes people will back away from prayer just simply because they haven't been trained how to participate or they feel like if I'm not a professional at it, I'm not going to touch it. I, I couldn't agree more. One of the things, most of the time when I speak, I speak with a, a Superman shirt and a suit coat because I say prayer is not just for super Christians. So uh, we somehow in the church have this kind of two groups of people. One's the, uh, the praying people and then there's the rest of us. Uh, and trying to uh, find ways. So I, I love the idea of an on-ramp. So getting those groups to <laughs> kind of talk to each other, the, the praying people. And the, uh, is there, uh, 
in response to this book, is there a, a belief system that, I mean, you're kind of tackling a belief system about prayer uh, that uh, with, with that, uh, can you, can you talk a little bit more about what, you know, the average person thinks about prayer, if that makes sense? Yeah. So the belief system that I found in just in my journey through the church, first as a lay person and a businesswoman, then as a youth pastor interacting with teenagers, and then as an associate pastor um, working with missionaries and Christian education and as a senior pastor, I, I just continually observed how people in the body of Christ felt about prayer. And it caused me to want to kind of help them out to um, level the praying field in their mind. Uh, you know, for example, in a family unit, uh, I remember one guy came to me after a service and he said, you know, I'm, I'm on the board at my church, but when I married my wife, she was such a, a prayer warrior that I just relinquished prayer in our family to my wife because she was just so good at it. And uh, that thought of thinking that you can be good at prayer or bad at prayer <laughs> It's the beginning of it. Like, what, what's it mean to be good at prayer? That you can pray long or that you use eloquent words or you're smooth or you can sing a prayer over people? I don't know <laughs> what prayer looks like versus bad prayer. Uh, you know, God's our father and any parent just wants their kid to talk to them and interact with them. So there's not good prayer and bad prayer. Uh, just if you pray, that's wonderful. And the father loves to hear from us. Um, so just kind of looking at some of those barriers and helping people set those aside and, and attack the barriers to say, what is, what does good prayer look like? Or what causes me to feel successful at prayer versus clumsy at prayer? Um, we kind of looked at those step by step. Right. Yeah. I know in this conversation, we can't get, you know, we won't be able to cover everything. So they need to go buy the book. Uh, I'll say that up front. But uh, one of the things you say is intentional prayer is made with a plan, a place, and a personal style. Uh, And if someone was, uh, you know, feeling like they weren't uh, a quote unquote good prayer uh, and they were wanting to, uh, start someplace. Uh, how how would you encourage them? I mean, beyond obviously, this, if they buy the book, you give them lots of ideas. But just kind of a starting place, a pastoral place uh, of growing in their prayer life. Yeah, that, that's a great question, Kevin. So if a person is not praying at all, but they feel like oh, I probably should pray or I need to pray, where do they start? you have to be strategic and intentional. It's like if you're going to lose 10 pounds or if you're going to get in better shape, you buy a membership at a gym, you schedule time to exercise, you measure your how many reps you do of each exercise. You, you can't, you, you've got to get beyond just the good intention of I want to pray more and put a plan in place, something, something that's measurable and definable and fits into your schedule. Um, I, I say, you know, if we want to see what's important to a person or to a church, we look at two things, their checkbook and their calendar. So if you're going to be intentional about prayer, you need to buy resources and create a place for prayer. And then you need to put it on your calendar so that you have an appointment with God and you're intentionally walking out uh, some kind of a a goal that you fulfill to become better at prayer. So it, God gives us all kinds of creativity. We can do what's good for us. Some people, uh, you know, I, I have a prayer station in my house where 
I've got a chair and a table and a lamp and my books are there. My journal is there with a red pen and a blue pen. So I, did, I go to that station because it's just easier to connect with prayer there. Uh, I schedule time. I schedule quarterly prayer retreats where I'm going to go away to a, a solitude place and pray like Jesus said in Mark chapter 1 verse uh, 35. And um, so sometimes you schedule it. Um, when I was a pastor, I had a scheduled prayer time every Wednesday from 10 a.m. to noon at a house of prayer in, in the city of Cleveland where a group of our friends came and provided music. And it was on my schedule like an appointment. And so you have to be intentional to schedule it or it just isn't going to happen. But I have to ask this because you mentioned the retreat. That's always a curiosity for me. What When you go on a like a prayer retreat, uh, how how do you work that out? What does that look like for you? Is that uh, same every time or different? Do you kind of do it differently each time you, you do it? Yeah. So I, first, first I schedule it um, because you have to get it on the calendar, you know, at least three months, six months out ahead. If you're going to rent a cabin or uh, go to the beach or whatever, you've got to schedule it. And then when I go, I'll take my Bible and my prayer journal and maybe another devotional book. And uh, the goal is to unplug from the routine. So leaving your laptop closed and your cell phone out of sight so that you can unplug. Uh, it'll often involve walks. I love to walk. Uh, recent, the last prayer retreat I took was uh, in Ohio at our campground. And I hiked the uh, trails that are there at the campground and talked to God while I'm out walking. Uh, before that, I took a prayer retreat here in Branson, Missouri, up in the mountains and did some walking there as well. So it might involve walking, uh, kneeling down and talking to God, writing in my prayer journal, uh, reading a, a portion of the Bible and letting God speak to me through the word of God. So it, it can look different each time, but the, the main goal is to unplug from what you usually do, go to a place that is unusual, and then give some space so that God can talk to us and we can kind of unload with him. It makes me want to go for a walk, but I'm in Minnesota, so I don't think that's going <laughs> that's not going to happen today. <laughs> All right. I, I, I love prayer walks, by the way. That's why, why yeah. hey, me, me and my dog, me and Caspian Frodo, we go. Oh, there you go. That's fine. Uh, one of the things that hey, your practical thing, kind of shifting towards the local pastor, you give a lot of practical advice, uh, which I think is desperately needed out there because uh, hey, oddly, we don't do a lot of training for pastors like in our colleges or whatever and then for whatever reason but that's not like here's how you do a prayer service or here's how you do uh and you you mentioned a stat that i've been pounding on for a while uh, that the average church is about 10 percent involved in a prayer service uh in some fashion or form uh and my add to that it seems like you know, if a church gets to 20 percent the the spiritual climate of the church takes a turn it seems that way i, I don't have the hard data for uh, you know an office that carries for, cares about data but uh, <laughs> uh, uh, if a pastor was wanting to you know looking to start growing uh, that where where would you recommend they they start growing their uh, the prayer life of their church or the culture of prayer maybe mm -hmm. The, um, 
the thought that we're not trained in how to run a prayer meeting is a great reality just to look at head on. Um, Jesus said, my house will be called a house of prayer for the nations. And so it's really important to Jesus that churches pray, yet you're absolutely right. Where does one get the training for how to lead prayer meetings and how to raise up disciples who are prayerful people? Um, I sat at Applebee's one day talking to a pastor and he, he got to the vulnerable point of saying, you know, Donna, I don't even really know how to run a good prayer meeting. He was a member of the clergy. And I thought, thank God for the honesty. And so in, in the book that I wrote, it, even though it's written to the believer who might be elementary at learning how to pray, there's also uh, coaching segments in the book that's addressed to people who are responsible to train others to pray. Pastors, parents as primary Christian educators, uh, if you need help in in training other people how to pray, the book has segments at the end of each chapter that are aimed in that direction. Um, I would say be, be intentional, pull creative types around you, and expect to put as much energy into planning a fantastic prayer experience that you would put into planning your Christmas party or planning a sermon series with PowerPoints and uh, or planning, you know, with, with skits that are going to come, you know, we, we put hours of time and creative energy into so much that we do in the body of Christ. But when it comes to prayer, sometimes we don't expect to have to plan for it or uh, contribute anything to make it fantastic. Um, but if, if you can have, if you can help the people in your church, to have a wonderful encounter with God in prayer, you have given them as a pastor the best gift you could ever give them. More than a fun Christmas party or a great picnic or uh, a camp experience, if you can help your parishioners talk to God and hear from God and have a blast doing it and feel like, man, God spoke to me when we, when we were doing that encounter, uh, that's the best gift as a pastor you could ever give to your parishioners. So it just takes time, pull creative types around, evaluate how it went, talk to your people, ask them, why, why don't you come to the prayer event? Why, why are 90% of our congregation not participating in the prayer event that we have if, if we're hitting the statistics? And then how can we incorporate wonderful times of prayer into times when 100% of our congregation is there already? Like look at your Sunday morning product and say, how are we exposing our attendees to have an encounter with God in prayer? Uh, how much time do we spend in prayer on Sunday morning? How fun is it for them to um, talk to God and hear from God when most of the people are present for our church gatherings? And then work backwards from there. Don't expect them to come out on a, on a Thursday night from 7 to 9 to pray. If they're already gathering on Sunday morning, engage them in prayer and teach them how to pray while they're already in the building. <clears throat> That's such good stuff there. I... I just want to highlight two. First of all, using that time on Sunday morning, I was at a gathering of the National Prayer Committee for the nation, and they were talking about how we spent two days talking about what we could do to help pastors. And one of the key takeaways that I heard over and over was the idea of uh, the pastoral prayer on Sunday morning, uh, using that method, because uh, you're going to be praying in somewhere. So use that as a teaching point, almost uh, that gap and, or modeling or, or, you know, I mean, you, you being creative about it. The second thing I, I love, you said uh, planning, we, uh, we plan for 
everything in the church <laughs> and uh, ex almost it seems like except for the the prayer meeting uh, and, and to be honest i think maybe even in the uh, in, in our pentecostal circles we even more so will lean towards not planning the prayer meeting like oh we just want to you know uh, quote unquote be spirit led Boy, yeah, we don't do that for our sermons. We, or some people do, but most people plan their their sermon. Uh, so I, I love that. Okay, let's even if you take a half an hour more time planning, you're gonna you're gonna help yourself uh, help yourself out. In the book, you give a, a great idea about scheduling using the schedule uh, to your advantage when it comes as a pastor. Right? Could you talk a little bit about how you did that and what that looked like for you as a pastor? Yeah. Let me give you a couple ideas of how to, how to uh, pray on Sunday morning too, that just yeah. might help a pastor. So, you know, as a, if you're a pastor, ask yourself this question. If, if Joe congregant is only learning about prayer based on what he sees me do on Sunday morning and what I teach him on Sunday morning, how mature in his prayer life is he becoming? And if you begin with that end in mind, then it would motivate a pastor to say, well, I better download some things on Sunday morning so that Joe is learning how to pray. He's watching us pray. He's having an opportunity to participate in prayer for himself and begin with that end in mind. So some things that can happen in a, in a 90 minute ser service on Sunday morning might be, hey, uh, for the next 15 minutes uh, or the next five minutes, we're gonna break up into groups of three share a prayer need and pray for one another in a circle of prayer and, and give people a chance to pray and be prayed for, not from the guy holding the microphone, but the friend who's sitting next to them in the, in the church. So you're teaching them how to pray. Uh, another thing, Seek God for the City is a prayer initiative that runs from uh, uh, for the 40 days running up to uh, Palm Sunday. And in that prayer guide, they have these four minute prayer videos that prays for the different nations of the world. So on Sunday morning, I would just turn on one of those prayer videos and ask the people in the congregation, hey, join together with this person who's gonna pray on the video as we pray for Burkina Faso. And um, it just gives people a chance to hear an ordinary person praying out loud and for them to, to join in in prayer as well. Uh, another thing we did one time, we put prayer focuses on the outside of the wall. Uh, and then we asked people, move out of your seat uh, to one of these stations and there's gonna be a leader there who's gonna lead that group in prayer for that emphasis. And just try to be creative and involve people so that when they get in their car to go home uh, on Sunday morning at noon, they have encountered God in prayer. They've participated in prayer, not just listened to someone else pray. And they're growing a little bit in their own prayer life. Um, those are some ideas to do on Sunday morning. <clears throat> and again, the book is just is packed full of uh, a lot of that stuff for people, which I, uh, I probably saying more so than I normally do. You can go get the book, but uh, <laughs> uh, if uh, Hey, just because I, I have you here, I got to ask uh, you, having been a pastor and experienced a lot of, you know, in the focus of prayer uh, there, what uh, any come to mind prayer meetings that you were part of or uh, prayer events that were a part of that significantly impacted you that uh, you're like, uh, hey, you know, on our journey, there's certain things that might just be an encouragement to someone who's like uh, listening as they hear your story. 
Yeah, a, a prayer meeting that impacted me as a brand new believer was when I was a teenager and um, our church had the, the uh, week of prayer, the first full week of January. And our pastor made it a big deal. It's like, man, everyone needs to be a part of this. There's a sign-up sheet in the back. Pick the hour you're going to come out to the sanctuary and pray. And uh, I was working downtown at the county courthouse at the time. And um, I was just so intrigued at how important it was to everybody in the church. I thought, well, I got to go check this out. And so I, uh, I, I went up on my lunch break and, uh, you know, spent some, you know, about 40 minutes in prayer and then came back to work. And then I was still curious. So uh, it, we were, the sanctuary was open 24 seven during that week of prayer. And uh, I thought I'm going to pack a overnight bag and I'm going to go hang out at the church through the night and pray. And then I, I went to the uh, health club in the morning and took a shower and went back to work again because I, I just was so intrigued at the, passion other people had for prayer and you know spending the night in prayer at my sanctuary with some of the staff members that were there and other lay people that had made it a priority just embedded something in me as a beginning Christian to know that prayer is super important um, another prayer meeting that really blessed me was when we planted Rockside Church and um, I asked our kids pastor to plan a prayer meeting that would attract the kids the children and we would all be a part of it too, but we wanted them to be the primary target audience. And so our, our kids pastor created stations throughout the building where kids would come to that station and someone would describe for them what the station was about and then they prayed. So um, she was so creative in creating this uh, prayer encounter for kids that I just thought, wow, there are so many different ways to pray. So for example, one of the stations had broken glass there uh, and she asked the children to pick up a piece of the broken glass. And let's think about brokenness. Who are people that are broken that really need God to help them with their brokenness? And the kids had all kinds of ideas about that and they held the piece of glass and prayed about that then put it down and walked to the next station. The next station was, was reaching into a, a bag that was filled with cotton and touching the cotton to say, isn't God our comforter? How are some ways that people need God to comfort them? And so the children talked about that. Uh, another station was um, big um, paper being spread out and crayons and paint and so forth. And they got a chance to draw and color what they wanted to say to God and who they saw God to be. So it just stretched my mind that prayer is so much more creative than just spoken words and sitting quietly and listening. Um, the kids had a blast. The time flew by. The grown-ups enjoyed it as well. And it just caused me to realize that we need to tap creativity when we're helping people talk to God and hear from God um, and, and use the gifts that he's given to the church. Right. I love that because uh, kids, sometimes we think, you know, you know, prayer, when we say it's a calling, you know, and all that gift of intercession, we, we exclude all the kids and the high schoolers and, and like, okay, they can pray too, just as well as, uh, if not better than, well, better, you know, than we can, because uh, they're full of faith. And uh, so engaging them in that process, I think it was uh, yeah. Dick Eastman who I talked about uh, on this podcast before about the idea that uh, what God is doing around the world in the area of prayer is kids being engaged. Uh, that that's kind of one of the waves that. Uh, uh, so I, that's an exciting, uh, <laughs> exciting thing to hear. Uh, yeah. 
Indeed. Another, another prayer meeting that um, I remember that stuck out in my mind when I was uh, an associate pastor at Bethel Temple, our youth pastor at the time was Matt Anderson, and he planned a through the night prayer meeting for teenagers. And when you hear that, you're thinking, are you kidding me? Teenagers are going to come to the church sanctuary and pray through the night. But he planned it in such a creative way uh, that it was their favorite event all year. And so I, I just crashed their prayer meeting because I wanted to see how they did it and participate. But I, um, when I think about uh, faces of kids who were sitting in the balcony of our sanctuary at that through the night prayer meeting, uh, many of them are in full-time ministry today, still following Christ. And it just really put a, a, a root of strength and stability in their life. And it was because a youth pastor was uh, creative enough and mature enough to realize that, yes, teenagers would love to spend the night in prayer if you plan it and involve them in a way that uh, they're encountering God. There's nothing more exciting to a child or a teenager than to think, you mean I get to talk to the creator of the universe and he's going to talk back to me? We did a Lectio Divina segment during that all-night prayer meeting where we listened to God's voice speaking back to us. And that's more exciting than any amusement park or any all-night New Year's Eve uh, party that teenagers could ever go to when a youth pastor is intentionally creative in planning it. Hey, as, a, uh, as a teenager myself, when I was... Uh, I'm not now a teenager. When I was a teenager... Hey. <laughs> That's wishful thinking on my part, I think, right? <laughs> I want to be a teenager still. No, oh, when I was a teenager, I, one of the most powerful moments for my spiritual journey was in a prayer time when I felt like God spoke to me. You know, I mean, just, uh, I mean, I was raised in the church and believed, in, you know, but just that, even that simple thing where I sensed he was saying, Kevin, I love you. You know, I mean, just that yeah. phrase to me, uh, I stuck with me all these years uh, later because teenager or not, that's uh, hearing God is a, is a powerful thing. It is. It's incredible. As we're, uh, we're taking a corner uh, towards uh, wrapping this thing up, but uh, there's something uh, that you talk about really well about the idea of engaging new people. Uh, and often I will describe it as, you know, there's the, you know, that insiders who go to the prayer meeting and because they've gone to the prayer meeting so long and they're so comfortable in that setting, it almost creates its own culture that makes it hard for the uh, uh, outsider to get into that because they, they, even they have their own language, you know, <laughs> using uh, uh, terminology that uh, the average person's never heard of before and, you know, the spiritual warfare type stuff that, you know, like what in the world are they doing? Uh, and so often when I'm speaking in a church, I'll encourage that, uh, that group, if I'm speaking to that group to try and impact and mentor uh, the, the people who are not familiar with prayer. Uh, if you were talking to that group uh, who the 10% that are always there, which I'm sure you have on many occasions, you know, when you're in your own church or in other settings, uh, what would you encourage to them to help them to kind of mentor that uh, generation or that group that does not feel comfortable? Does that make sense? It does. So the win will be not that they came to a prayer meeting, that they were able to court two other people into joining them at the prayer meeting who have never come to the prayer meeting. 
that becomes the win. Um, and to that end, if you begin with that end in mind, we can do that by first of all being self-aware and self-engaged. In my style of praying, and as I participate, what am I doing that might be alienating to others that I need to be aware of, and then how can I engage that? So here's an example. I went to a prayer meeting with uh, colleagues in my city. They were mostly Baptist pastors. I knew they don't pray out loud all at once. They don't pray in the spirit. They pray one at a time. And so I immediately knew that I needed to be aware of how I pray and engage myself in adjusting that to not pray out loud, uh, to not pray in the spirit, to listen to them pray. And if I choose to lead out in prayer, uh, to pray in a way that's not going to be off-putting to others or cause me to stand out. You don't want to stand out. You want to include in because God wants everyone to participate. So being self-aware and self-engaged is the first step. And then being others-aware and others-engaged. So if I'm praying with a, a nine-year-old nephew, um, I got to be aware of how he's going to pray and engage him. So a child might want to pray uh, short. Um, they might use different words and they need an opportunity to participate in a way that's going to cause them to feel successful and not cause them to feel pointed out or spotlighted in any way that's going to embarrass them. So then I want to be others aware and others engaged. And then thirdly, I want to be God aware and God engaged. What's God's highest priority for this prayer meeting and how can I engage him in that? An example of that is um, I got asked to lead a prayer for the other churches in our city because we had had an opioid overdose epidemic in our city. And the mayor asked his assistant to ask the clergy to come together and pray and ask me to lead that. So I knew now I'm praying with people that um, are city employees. Some of them maybe have never prayed before in a public meeting like that. 73% uh, of our city was Roman Catholic. They pray through recited prayers one at a time. Usually the priest does the praying. So I had to be aware of who's the setting here and what can I do to cause all of them to want to participate in prayer without them feeling um, awkward or less than. So we brought some uh, printed up prayers that we had made ahead of time. I coached our people, hey, keep your prayers short, be sensitive to others in the room. Uh, we provided ways for people to we prayed the Lord's Prayer out loud, which everybody can jump in on that. So when you're trying to help other people pray, you want to be self-aware and self-engaged, others-aware and others-engaged, God-aware and God-engaged. That's uh, Relational Wisdom by Ken Sandy, but it applies well to prayer as well, too. The, the, most, uh, the biggest deterrent to other people jumping into prayer meetings is somebody not being self-aware and self-engaged and they're being strange or weird or uniquely <laughs> uh, using words that other and others come into that thinking I don't want anything to do with that I'm not gonna I'm not gonna scream at the devil or I'm not gonna <laughs> words I don't understand uh, I don't want to be a part so you want to create on ramps for others to participate instead of alienating people and being off putting. Uh, that's it. <clears throat> Again, wonderful advice. <laughs> you're, hey, you're you're hitting you're using the baseball analogy. You're hitting this out of the park. Uh, if uh, as we uh, as we do wrap this up uh, today, uh, a couple things. If we uh, 
I'd love for you to, uh, before we uh, jump off, for you to pray for the audience, because uh, uh, it doesn't, using your thing, it doesn't have to be a long prayer, <laughs> just to, uh, just to uh, bless them with their prayer life. But uh, I know for the, the Assemblies of God, we're going to be using uh, leveling the praying field as part of the week of prayer, uh, so people can find out uh, uh, more information. But uh, for any listener where can they learn more about the book? Uh, where can they uh, uh, find it or find other resources connected with that? Yeah. Um, so pr Leveling the Praying Field is uh, published by and available through Gospel Publishing House, now called My Healthy Church. So you can buy it online. It's also available at Amazon.com. It's also available in audio version uh, through Audible.com. And uh, I read it myself and also provided the bumper music with my guitar oh, cool. for the <laughs> chapter. So um, it's kind of fun. I always enjoy listening to a book being read by the author yeah. because they're able to really communicate what's on their heart. So um, I was actually listening to my own book myself as I was driving for Thanksgiving. So that's how the resource can be available. The Assemblies of God has uh, resources available for the week of prayer that is happening the first full week of January or anytime your church decides to do that. If you go to ag.org, there's a website there about the week of prayer, and it has several videos by ordinary people talking about prayer that you, Pastor, can play on a Sunday morning and just whet the appetite of your people to come out for the week of prayer, whatever you do. Uh, we're also going to be posting uh, four sermons on that website so that if a pastor wants to do a, a four-part sermon series about prayer, uh, there, were, there will be four sermons on there coming out of leveling the praying field in just a couple of days. Uh, there's also resources on there to put in your bulletin insert or to kind of um, advertise the week of prayer, however you want to do it, whether it's a, a 7 p.m. service nightly or you do want to open your sanctuary for 24-7 prayer or you want to have people call in on a conference call or a Zoom and, and pray with you at 10 a.m. and 7 p.m., However you choose to do it, just do something during the week of prayer to kick off the new year for your congregation in the week of prayer. And those are some resources that are available. Um, I can be contacted via Facebook. Uh, also, uh, you can contact me at my email address, dbarrett at ag.org, and would be glad to uh, interact with people or help people. Uh, one, one of the things I've been doing is um, if a book club buys the book and is studying the book together, and you'd like me to log in and do a Q&A time or an interaction with your book club via Zoom, uh, we're doing that, and I'd be glad to accommodate groups that, that would like me to speak to your group that's studying the book together. Very cool. Lots of places, and we'll put uh, in the show notes, so if people want to uh, find the week of prayer info and where to buy the book, well, they can go to the show notes, and we'll have that links right there for them. Uh, again, if before we jump off, if you could take just a moment to pray for our audience, I'd love to have your prayer blessing to be on them. <laughs> yeah. Oh, thanks, Kevin. I'd be glad to do that, and thanks for having me on today. It's been a pleasure. Heavenly Father, we, we just join our faith together across the miles and in this timeless arena uh, of some being live and some hearing a recording afterwards, knowing that you are omnipresent and um, you're living outside of time. So we thank you for who you are. We thank you for your attributes. And Lord, we thank you that we have the privilege to talk to you and hear from you. Every person, every believer, even non-believers can start by saying, Come into my heart, Jesus, and be my Lord and Savior. 
I want a relationship with you, and they can start with prayer. So thanks for the gift of prayer, Lord. Thanks for the opportunity that it gives us. And Lord, I just pray that you would bless every listener right now with an appetite to connect with you more intimately, more often, and more creatively. And I pray, Lord, that you would anoint and help and empower every believer to not just pray on their own, but to to do like you did when you took Peter, James, and John up to the mountain and you brought others along on the journey. Help us all to identify people in our life, whether it's grandchildren or parishioners at our church or kids in our youth group or our, our own children. Lord, help us to identify people with whom we can link arms and bring into that prayer arena and help them to mature in their prayer life as well. We pray, Lord, that you would release a passion and an appetite. We pray you would release creativity. We pray you would release intentionality that pastors would get their calendars filled throughout 2020 of times when they are going to uh, lead their congregation in prayer. And Lord, we pray that you would help all of us as leaders in the body of Christ to not just talk about prayer and preach about prayer, but to improve our own prayer lives as well. Lord, I pray for Kevin. I thank you for what he does in the arena of prayer. We give you glory and honor and thanks. We ask these things in the strong name of Jesus, our Savior. Amen. Amen. Well, thank you again for being on the show today. We, we've been blessed. Oh, thanks, Kevin. It's been my privilege. God bless you, and thanks for what you do. Well, there you have it. I hope you enjoyed that conversation as much as I had in being a part of it. It was fun to talk to her about something that's so dear to my heart in the life of prayer. I hope you found something, whether it's for your own prayer life or in mentoring someone else in prayer or as a pastor, uh, taking prayer, the culture of your church to a whole new level. Uh, there's so much there. And if you want to dive into the book, uh, Leveling the pr Praying Field, uh, you can go over to the show notes and we'll have links uh, for all of that uh, that you mentioned uh, and that uh, website is christconnection.cc and just click on the podcast there and you can find all the show notes again that's christconnection.cc I hope to see you over there if you have stuck with me to this point in the podcast you're still listening thank you for being a part of this uh, we are on a journey to help you in your walk with Jesus we want to see uh, this podcast make a difference in your life and the lives of so many others. Uh, if you are uh, being blessed by this, you can help us in a few ways. First of all, uh, would you subscribe to the podcast? That's uh, kind of step number one. Uh, so you get it right there into your player uh, next time you go there, and it helps us with the whole spreading the word thing. Uh, maybe put a review on. Uh, wherever you're listening to this that also and I read all of those and love to uh, hear what uh, you have to say about the episodes uh, finally I, we are hoping to expand this uh, maybe even get to weekly here by the end of 2020 and uh, in order to do that we need a, a more financial partners to the ministry and so if God would lay on your part to help us not only expand but go deeper and uh, touch around the world we're hoping to touch more countries with this and so I, you can become a financial partner right on our, our website, and that's, again, ChristConnection.cc, uh, and then click on Donate, uh, and you can become a part of the team here. And for those who are monthly supporters of the team, we got some uh, fun things planned, kind of insider things, and maybe uh, kind of pre-get to ask questions uh, to our guests ahead of time and things like that. So, again, it's ChristConnection.cc, and click on Donate. We'd love to have you a part of that. I'm excited for what all that God has for us as a 
ministry and what God has for you as a result of being a partner with us. And so God bless you and keep you and may his face shine upon you. May you have a great day today in Jesus. God bless.